Hello and welcome to the latest episode of 10 Minutes On, a podcast from the Joint Public Issues team, where we sit down to discuss what's going on in the news and in the world around us. I'm Matt, one of the JPIT interns, and today I'm joined by Paul Morrison, our resident economics and social policy expert. And today we're going to be reflecting on the energy price cap and the cost of living. So even ignoring for a moment everything going on around number 10, uh, last week was an incredibly busy week of news. Paul, can you get us up to speed with what happened last week and why it's important? There were two things that relate to poverty that are really important. The first of which is the one that most people are aware of and will affect everyone, but those who are poorest the most, which is that the maximum price for household energy is being increased. And it's being increased not by a small amount, but by over 50%. So the average house is going to cost around £1,900, just over £1,900 a year to heat and to, you know, that's the energy bill. Sadly, it's even higher if you're one of the 4 million of the poorest families in the country who are on key cards when it will be over £2,000 a year in order to provide energy for those houses. And that's an increase of 56%. And that is an enormous part of people's budgets, especially people whose budgets are already squeezed. The other, probably less well-known effect, uh, thing that happened was that the Bank of England announced that its its estimate for inflation has moved up yet again to 6 to 7%. And that means a lot because the things that are going up at the moment are the things that the poorest buy. So inflation is a general measure and it's balanced between all, all, all you know, sort of people rich and poor throughout the country and the average is, is 6 to 7%. For the poorest, it will be a great deal more because they spend more money on food and clothing, which is what's going up in prices. So those are big things. Yeah, and you know, obviously both of these developments are the result of a number of different factors and, and many of which... Uh, maybe seen as outside of the government's control, but uh, the Chancellor came out with some measures in the middle of last week. Could you talk to us about what Rishi Sunak has done to respond to this and how effective that may or may not be? I think the, the, the basics of the policy is fairly simple. He's using quite strange methods to give money to most families in the country. So £150 is going out through a direct payment if, if through your council tax account, if you have such a thing. Uh, so I live in a university, for instance, and it's even though people in the even though students uh, will be experiencing these price rises, they don't pay council tax, so the money's not going to them. But so it's a very strange way of targeting money. And then he and it's only to ban A to D. So the targeting is that is that some of the most expensive houses won't receive this credit, but it's still meant to be 80% of the population is getting the money. And then there's going to be a £200 credit to every account of electricity in the country, which will be paid back over the next five years. So it's essentially a £200 enforced loan from the government which again has all sorts of all sorts of problems but the key thing is that it goes to everyone so the government is going to spend about 9.6 billion pounds and it's going to give it to everyone in the country and then 80% of the people in the country 
and it rationalizes this because everybody is facing uh, increased prices, which is true. However, for some people, those increased prices are what's going to drive them to a food bank. And for some people, those increased prices are what's going to drive them to buy a Volkswagen rather than a Mercedes. And the question is, where should the government's priority be? And I would argue really strongly that if you've got 9.6 billion to spend, there are better targeted ways of spending it. And I say that because when you spend time with people who have struggled through the two years of the pandemic and who have struggled for the decade running up to the pandemic, who have been in and out of poverty, who have, you know, the phrase that goes through my mind is people say there are just too many days in the month that their, that their money runs out a couple of days before the end of the month and it's going to run up out a couple more days. And it's those people who need help. And instead, the Chancellor is spreading this money around thinly throughout the population. And that's just the wrong choice. And my feeling is it's the wrong choice because the Chancellor doesn't spend time with those people, doesn't recognise the effect that people at the, bo- at the people on the bottom of the income spectrum, what 6% is going to mean to them. In fact, what 10%, which is what it's more likely to be, is going to mean to them. And if he did, he would have to make different choices. Mm. And how does this fit in with longer term trends of poverty in the UK? Well, in the run up to the pandemic, we saw this slow, steady rise in the headline rate of poverty. But what hid underneath that was that for some groups, because of the way the benefits benefits were cut, some people got multiple hits. So we went from so this measure of poverty called destitution, which means you can't feed or house or wash yourself for a prolonged period, is, is, is what essentially what the measure means. It went from about one and a half million halfway through the decade to two and a half million just before the pandemic. So there's this group of people who have been hit again and again and again. And we go through the pandemic and we know that those were the same people who had to take on debt. Those are the people who are least likely to, who are most likely to lose the work they had. We know it's been a hard time for them and they're just coming out the other side. And what they're going to face is a mountain of higher prices. And what the Chancellor has provided is a thin layer of support for everyone rather than a thick wadge of support for those who need it. And I have real fears for what this means for quite a lot of families. I have real fears as to essentially what what can communities stand? How much of this destitution takes them to breaking point? And I don't have the answer to that. But I do know there's much more of it about and it's deeply concerning. And I know that churches around the country who are in those sort of areas are saying that to us too. Mm. And a lot of what we're hearing is coming from um, churches across the country, particularly those who run food banks and debt support centres and all kinds of ways in which they're um, at the real interface of of, um, people who are experiencing poverty and who are going to be affected by uh, these kind of um, developments. So... 
what would you say to churches in those kinds of situations and to Christians who, um, like you, are afraid, uh, maybe they themselves are in danger of falling further into poverty or they want to do something to help? What can we do in response? What you can do depends on where you're sitting. If you are in a comfortable place where these price rises aren't going to hurt you, you've got money and you might want to think about what to do with that. And be that to your local charities, be that to a national charity, be that to your church itself. For lots of people, that's not going to be where they sit. But I think the single most important thing that Christians can do is seek to understand. And seek to understand both by reading information and, and you know, re- being aware of things in the newspaper, but also by having conversations with people who experience poverty in the communities around them. Don't wander off and say, you're poor, aren't you? Talk to me. But there are lots of places, there are lots of drop-in centres where those relationships where you can understand, where you're not there to help, you're just there to listen and you're there to have a relationship with. And when we build those bonds across society, the levels of poverty we see in the UK today will just become unacceptable. And that is the way out of this in the long term. So use the resources you can and build the relationships you can. And of course, build the most important relationship, the one you have with your God. Keep praying. That's wonderful. Thanks very much, Paul. And thank you to everyone for listening today. And we'll see you next time on 10 Minutes On.